Droid Today. Welcome to Droid Today, your daily dose of Android news, tips, and tricks. Welcome back to Droid Today. Today is episode two, so I guess this means uh, we've broken the one episode uh, stinch. It's it's not just going to be a one-off, this is going to be a a thing. Uh, My plan is, in in case you don't know, in case this this is your first time listening, my plan is for this to be a daily podcast, that's Monday to Friday. I, I do have some bit of a life i'm i'm not going to do this on saturday and sunday but daily podcast with the latest android news tips and tricks um it's going to be a month experiment and if it goes well if you're getting something out of it you are gaining value it's useful to you and if this is not too much work for me and i'm getting something out of it then i'm going to continue doing it if not then i'll walk away no harm done So, here's a little thing. Uh, If you want it to continue, there's three things you can do. Uh, One is do exactly what uh, Josh Borgen did yesterday, and that's go to the blog, droidtoday.com, and leave a comment there. And that will let me know that you've enjoyed something, or you found it interesting, that you uh, want to hear more about it. It's also a way to put ideas into what I should say, to give feedback, uh, to tell me why I'm wrong or to tell me if I'm right about something. So it will impact what goes into the show. Uh, The other thing you can do is follow us on Twitter at droid underscore today and you can send us comments there as well. You can interact with us, you can give us tips about maybe an app you'd like to see covered or some interesting news that has come up. And that would be a great thing to do as well. Uh, The third thing, and this is quite exciting because just before the episode, I got an email from iTunes saying that uh, Droid Today has been accepted and I have a link so that you can go and find it in the iTunes store. So you can subscribe to Droid Today from your favorite podcast app of your choice. Uh, That's really great. Uh, but uh, there's one thing I'd like you to do. If you enjoy the podcast, if you get something out of it, then just go to iTunes, leave a review, uh, talk about why it's good, why you get what you get out of it, what you like about it, and that will help other people to discover it. And that will also let me know that you're enjoying it and that this is something you'd like to see more of, something you'd like me to keep doing. Okay. So uh, that's a big thing. Thanks again, everyone who downloaded the last episode and listened to it as well, especially Josh Borgen for your comment. That was really great to see, really great encouragement that the first episode I got a comment from it. So thank you very much. Anyway, I've rattled on enough now. Let's get into the news. The top four stories from today, plus a little app tip as well. Story number one, Sony is allowing pre-orders of its smart eyeglasses competitor to Google Glass. 
Android One is coming to the Philippines and bringing Android version 5.1 with it. Our push bullet has added WhatsApp and Hangout support. This is an app you really should check out. Pebble has updated to version 2.3 and is bringing Android Wear support. And finally, the Neptune Duo, a crazy device that is either brilliant or crazy. It's either the future or it's just madness. We'll talk about it a bit later on. Okay, so the first story is going to be Android One is coming to the Philippines. If you're in the Philippines, that's great news for you. Android One, in case you don't know, this is Google's uh, initiative to try and make uh, devices for developing markets, ones that are good smartphones, uh, that they can get into the hands of users, that will give them a good experience. It's pretty much stock Android, so no customizations, no crazy things. Uh, no no strange uh, bits to it, but um, very basic devices, not high spec, low cost, low budget. Uh, and that, there's two new devices that are coming to the Philippines from Philippian uh, uh, manufacturers. The big story that may interest other Android users is that these devices are confirmed to be coming with Android version 5.1. I know that's a bit strange, you know, Android 1 with Android 5.1, but uh, that's beside the point. Android 1 is the name of these budget low-end devices. Android 5.1, that's the current version of Android that we have coming. And so that's interesting because at the moment, the the top version that we have out is Android 5.02. Uh, so this is just bug fixes for Android Lollipop. Android 5.1, that suggests something more significant. And it's interesting that the first we've heard about it is for a budget device that's coming out in the future. Obviously, it could still welcome to Nexus devices uh, very soon. You know, Google may be about to release it any day now. However, they haven't. And the first press release we're getting is linked to this Android One device. So there's been a lot of speculation what this means. Uh, here are a few of the, the different theories that people have put out. The first one is uh, that Android 5.1 is actually going to be a low, low-end version of Android Lollipop. This is going to be something to run on those budget low-end devices and they're going to splinter off Android. So uh, splinter off Lollipop. So you have 5.1, which will be for the low end. And you have 5, which will be for higher end phones like the Nexus line of phones. So, so that's an interesting theory. You know, it would explain why this is the first we've heard about it. But there's quite a few other possible explanations as well. I suspect that the other explanations make a lot more sense, especially when you consider that Android Lollipop, uh, Android KitKat and Android Lollipop was both targeted to run on much lower end devices. So they were made so that they would run on lower end devices, run on these budget devices. Um, So, you know, it would seem very strange that they'd make it split it off again to make it run at lower devices. And, you know, all this talk and worry about fragmentation, it makes you think, that that's probably not the most likely idea. 
class why call it 5.1 which is more advanced than the more advanced version surely maybe go for like five lights or something like that i'm really glad i don't work in marketing with names like that anyway the explanation i think is more likely is that this is a press release um and they've been sitting on it for a while 5.1 is probably coming very soon they're probably ironing out a few bugs and that's going to be pushed to nexus devices fairly soon and we'll see it come soon but uh they've Meanwhile, they've had to release this press release about Android 1 coming to the Philippines. And so they had to reveal that they'll be coming with 5.1. I think that makes a lot more sense than sort of this crazy it's splitting off. You know, Occam's razor, what's the most, what's the simplest explanation? That's the most likely. I think it's this one that 5.1 is coming soon. Uh, and that uh, that the, this press release just had to go ahead because of the timeline. But they haven't had a chance to say anything about 5.1 coming out for Nexus devices. So I think that's a lot more likely. There are some other theories as well. Uh, things along the lines of that there's a big holdup with Nexus. Well, who, who cares? You can go and find them out. There's plenty of speculation out there. What do you think? Why do you think, uh, is 5.1 going to be this separate OS uh, for low-end devices, or is it just simply a case of the timing of the press release? Uh, okay, here's a little tip for you, an app tip, and a bit of news. Uh, Pushbullet is an app that helps your desktop device or tablet device interact with your uh, your mobile or smart device like a phone. So, uh, at a basic level, you can do some very nice things like uh, share text between devices. So uh, this is useful if you get things like uh, a message, which includes an address. You get that on your phone, you copy it on your phone, send it over push bullet, and then it can appear on your desktop and you can look it up on a uh, on, on your computer and see it in a big, glorious Google Maps large screen display. Uh, quite useful. Alternatively, if you find an address of a place on your desktop, then you can just send it over to your phone very easily and use that to navigate to where you're going rather than having to remember the exact keyword search that you did in Google to get the results in the first place. So, so that's also useful. Then you've got other more nuanced usages like sharing clipboards, stuff like that. There's quite a few good uses of that. The other function it does is it shows your notifications on your desktop. So that can be quite useful. If you're working on a computer, on a desktop computer, get a message from someone or uh, and it just appears in the top corner. And for some of these, you can then do actions on them, like dismiss them, or you can even reply from the desktop. Great for SMS. You know, you get an SMS message and you can reply. Well, now, Pushbullet has added in support for some other messaging services, some big, common, majorly used messaging services, including WhatsApp, Hangouts, Telegram, Facebook Messenger, and Line. So, really big names. You know, this is taking up a lot of the major messaging services out there uh, that people use. And now, you're going to be able to reply from your desktop or from your phone, wherever you're working, 
whatever device you're on, you can just instantly reply. I think that's a gr it's a great feature. One of the things I love about PushBullet, and I really recommend you install it if you haven't done so. Uh, the one that surprises me a bit from that list is Hangouts because Hangouts has a desktop client as well. So I'm a, I'm a bit surprised by that, but I guess they could do it. Why not do it? And maybe some people don't have Hangouts on their PC or their Mac, but they do on their phone. So yeah, anyway, it's a great feature. I really recommend you try out PushBullet. It doesn't take too long to set up or install. You just download the the Mac app or the PC app or the Chrome extension and then also have it onto your get it on your phone and it'll set up pretty quickly. Okay, next big story. Pebble Watch is updating to version 2.3 and with that they're bringing Android Wear support. That may seem quite uh, sorry. Android Wear notification support. I should should clarify that. Um, so what that means is if someone has developed an app which uses the Android Wear protocols to send notifications to the device, that's now going to work with your Pebble as well as an Android Wear device. So if you've had a Pebble for a while or if you've been looking at different smartwatch op options, then this will mean that uh, all the apps that use things like notifications on Android Wear, like Todoist, or have simple actions on Android Wear to do certain things, you're going to be able to use them on Pebble as well. This is a great step forward for Pebble because one of the big issues that they could have faced, with, especially with Android Wear coming along, is getting and encouraging developers to build in the functionality for their device into their apps. Now, uh, a developer doesn't have to think, oh, should I support Pebble? Should I support Android Wear? They've just got, they can just support Android Wear and it will work on the Pebble as well. Uh, that's not the only feature that's been added though. Pebble have also added in uh, defined replies that you can do for messages, um, up to five of them. So if you're on the go, you get a message, you can quickly scroll through your options, choose a message, uh, choose a set reply, and then send that. And it's compatible with most Android SMS apps. So that's a useful feature, something which, uh, you know, you've had on, uh, on Android Wear a bit with the voice commands, but you can't quite get with Pebble. It's quite a useful little, little touch. Um, let's see how much uh, people use that. Great update for Pebble users, something that I'm sure you'll really use a lot. Right, two, two major big stories coming up. Now, uh, this story is actually my favourite one, but I suspect more people will be interested in the latter one. Uh, Neptune Duo. So you may have heard of uh, the Neptune Neptune Pine. That was a Kickstarter campaign that came last year, and it was a smartwatch. But unlike most smartwatches, it put the smart in smartwatch. It was not a companion device to go along with your smartphone. This is actually a standalone smartwatch that had a, S uh, a, a, uh, a SIM card that you could put into it. Uh, it had a keyboard that you could use, even if it was horrifically difficult to use. Uh, it's a big, chunky thing. Didn't look that great, to be honest. Um, and but hey, it got backed as a Kickstarter, and uh, yeah, so obviously some people liked it. Uh, and that was Pep uh, the Neptune Pine. Clearly, 
Neptune have been dealing with some of the criticisms and and evolving their idea because now we've got the Neptune duo, which is the second device from Neptune. And unlike the Neptune pine, duo does not stand for the second version. Actually, duo has to do with uh, having two things. The Neptune duo you still have a standalone smartwatch, which is smart. It's got a 2.4-inch capacitive touchscreen, quad-core processor, 64 gigabytes of onboard storage, you know, all the usual things that you'd want from a smartphone. However, it's a smartwatch, and it will work on its own. You know, you can take voice, you can take calls, you can look up articles, you can send messages. It seems to have a, a handwriting type option now as well. Uh, and the whole the whole screen looks a little bit bigger than the previous device. And it's it looks like it's curved. It looks like it's got a curved dis- uh, display which goes round your wrist. So it looks quite comfortable. Uh, and, it, and it's smart. Um, but now alongside the Neptune hub, that's what they're calling this new uh, smartwatch, wristwatch, you also get uh, your pocket screen. And the pocket screen is your dumb device. This is your companion device. So unlike most smartwatches, which are your companion device to your smartphone, this is a companion phone to your smartwatch. Okay, get that? Uh, And the companion is a 5-inch touchscreen. It's 1280 by 720. It's got two cameras, an 8-megapixel rear-facing camera, a 2-megapixel front-facing camera. So you can do Skype calls if you want to on this. Uh, And you can use it to read text to, I guess, to play a game, probably, on the screen as well. And to take pictures with it, as you would with a normal smartphone. But... If it's not near your hub, then it becomes a dumb screen. So some people have really laid into this idea. They've criticized it. They say it's crazy. Um, I'm not so sure. I, I, you know, part of me thinks I'm in two minds about this. Either this is the future and this is the way forward. And in a few years time, we'll all be doing stuff like this. Or this is complete madness and, uh, you know, nothing like this will happen in the future at all. It's one or the other. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm intrigued by this idea because I think it really tackles some of the problems that people have with smart uh, smartwatches as well as with uh, smartphones. I mean, after all, uh, the worst thing about... Uh, imagine... You love to fitness. For some of you, I'm sure it's easy. For others, just go with it. Uh, when you go running, you don't want to have to take your phone and a smartwatch around your wrist. I mean, the whole the whole premise of these smart devices is that you could leave your smartphone at home, leave it away, and then you could just go with this small little device which is around your wrist. You can easily glance at notifications there. And uh, with Bluetooth, which the hub has you could then have wireless headphones which you could listen to your music to so yeah much like the samsung gear uh, gear s it sounds like it could be perfect for uh, for the active energetic fitness freak 
uh, not that you're freaks if you're into fitness. It's all good. Um, the problem is, of course, that uh, yeah. So that so that tackles some of the big issues. You know, you can leave the big chunky device away. You can leave it anywhere that you want. And you can just go with this small, tiny device. Great step forward, I think. On the other hand, you know, you're going to want to read articles and you're going to want this big display probably with you most of the time. So does it really solve that problem? Then it also adds in that, you know, the hub only has a 1000 milliamp hour battery. You know, considering most smartphones nowadays, especially the big phablets, they have 3000 milliamp hour batteries uh, or higher. Uh, So that's quite a substantial difference in battery power. Is this smartwatch going to run out of juice frequently during the day? And then charging a smartwatch, that's a lot more effort than charging a smartphone. I mean, a smartphone, you just put it into a dock on your desk whilst you're at work. Smartwatch, you have to unstrap it, take it off, put it in a dock or plug it into a charger. They have to remember to put it back onto your wrist. It's And it's smaller, so it's more easy to lose sight of. You know, there's a lot more. Uh, there are a lot more challenges when you've got this smaller device. Also, do you remember that Asus uh, pad phone? I, be- I believe it's a pad phone. I've, I've tried to remember. There's the phone pad and the pad phone. And the pad phone is the one which is which is the tablet screen, which you can put a phone in and then it, it's a tablet. Or you can take the phone out and the screen is just dead, but the, the phone is still active. Yeah, so, so Asus came up with this idea a few years back. And uh, the big problem with it was it was, uh, it, it was something like $1,000 at the time uh, to get uh, this this device, which was a, a phone and a tablet. And if you didn't have the phone in the tablet, it was completely useless. I guess it was kind of a backup battery, but a very expensive backup battery when you don't have the phone inside the tablet. Uh, so and a, a tablet, of course, is always going to be a bit more shareable. You know, you give it to someone else, but you couldn't use your phone if you'd given it to someone else. I think this device, the Neptune Duo, doesn't quite have that same issue because a smartwatch, I mean, you're never going to give your smartwatch to someone else. Plus also, um, the screen communicates with your device uh, via Bluetooth signals. It doesn't have to be, uh, your device doesn't have to be plugged into the back of it. So you can have kind of both going at the same time uh, besides, you probably won't want to look at a smartwatch when you've got the touchscreen on. Also, the price seems to be pretty standard for a device. Uh, it's, it's uh, oh, I've actually just forgotten the figure, so I'm just going to look it up. Uh, so it's going to be $798 when it ships, you know, $800. Uh, or you can pledge now, and if you pledge up front, you can get it for $500. So, you know, you're looking at pretty much the price that you would expect for a standard smartphone 
anyway unlike you know the uh, uh, unlike the pad phone which when it came out it was more expensive than buying a phone and a tablet separately and then you'd have two devices which you could always use so it's interesting i i'm kind of taken by the idea i think this you know, part of me does think maybe this is the future maybe we will all be having these tiny devices and uh, dumb screens to go with them you know maybe we'll have a five inch screen which we use like a phone and maybe we'll also have like a massive 10 inch screen which we use like a tablet or even a larger screen you know and we'll just switch between the screens and our smart device around our wrist will be the one that's doing the processing power all the time you know, part of me thinks that could be the future at the same time i still have massive reservations about this idea and history doesn't seem to be in favor of it so you know we'll just have to see how it goes and when it comes out what do you think do you think this idea has is cool do you like it uh do you want to give it a go even uh, leave a comment at the blog droidtoday.com I'd love to know what you guys think uh, hopefully I'm not the only one who likes this idea maybe there's someone else out there who does too okay the final story is about Sony's smart eyeglass so if you liked the idea of Google Glass but you thought what, I, what you really want is to stand out in a crowd a bit more. You need something less discreet than Google Glass, something where people will really just have to look at you. Sony has the device for you. The Sony Smart Eyeglass is... Uh, you, you have to see it. I'm going to put the video, the promotional video, in the show notes, and it is absolutely crazy. Let me explain it to you. Um, imagine a pair of uh, sporty sunglasses, really angular frames, hard, firm frames, uh, designed very much for, you know, a masculine snowboarder or someone who's uh, surfs, maybe something that's going to stick on your face well as uh, well. They're not going to fly off. Okay. Now imagine them without the polarized screens instead you've got see-through screens which can see through each way and their screens um and also imagine that uh, it has a wire coming from it and then a massive great big circle which you clip onto your chest that is pretty much how the sony eye uh, smart eye glass looks and it's ridiculous um, so Sony obviously took a lot of inspiration from Google Glass. They took the idea of having this uh, interface where you can touch it as well, you know, slide through options like you have on the side of Google Glass, but they put it into this uh, kind of almost circular disc. They also use that for the battery and for voice commands. So if you want to dictate a message, then you're doing it into this giant disc which you put on your chest. You clip it to your chest. Uh, if you want to, uh, if, if you want to swipe through the different options, then you have to touch that little that big disc 
on your side. Uh, and that's where the battery is as well. So, you know, obviously it's, it's quite large. And then it connects via a big wire. It's And the glasses just... They don't look like glasses at all. Um, if you want to see how great it is, the video is just brilliant because... They have these two quite stylish women who are out, obviously, exploring. i guessing they're supposed to be in Italy or Spain somewhere. And they're wearing these glasses very naturally, you know, getting directions, navigating somewhere, taking pictures. Oh, it has a three megapixel camera as well. Uh, and then they meet up again. And, of course, they're both wearing these glasses um, and they, they just do not match the personas of the people at all who are wearing them um it's it's a brilliant video because it's just so unrealistic uh, and in fact the most unrealistic part of it is as the woman's walking around looking going along uh, no one's looking at her no one's noticing these great big glasses and this big black disc that's on next to her cream jacket uh i mean it's, it's absolutely ridiculous however in sony's defense there is something which they seem to maybe have done right with the smart eyeglasses, something which I had a little issue with, uh, the Google Glass. Google Glass. Uh, so if you remember with Google Glass, you had this tiny little display which was right in the top corner. So you really had to like peek up and out to the side to see that display. Well, with the Sony Smart Eyeglass, it looks like the whole of uh, the eyepiece is a display. So that's gonna, uh, all of that is gonna show you information and it can show you in different places. I, I'm not certain about that, but that's certainly the impression they're giving from the videos. And if it's not the case, then honestly, why have they made these screens so big and the devices to hold them so big? Anyway, the other good news it will only cost you $840 to get in onto uh, the developer version, to pre-order a developer version of these devices. Uh, so that's cheaper than Google Glass. And considering you can't get Google Glass at the moment, because, of course, it's been about a month since it graduated on the 15th of January uh, from the Google uh, X Labs, you know, maybe this is the only option for you if you want some augmented reality glasses at the moment and you're a developer and you have $840 and you really don't care about people looking at you. In fact, you want people to look at you. Uh, if that's you, then, then this device is perfect for you. Um, yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure there are some more merits to it. I can't see it. These seem to be... They just seem to have all the worst things about Google Glass. They just look so obvious. Um, I mean, the only better thing, it does seem to be this larger screen. But hey, uh, I'll, we'll have to see when more, more information comes out in the future. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see another company doing smart glasses, especially after the bad media and press that, that Google Glass got. And it will be interesting to see what the next version of Google Glass will be. I'm sure Google is going to bring out a follow-up to Google, the Google Glass uh, Explorer edition. 
Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. I do not think it will be the direction of the Sony Smart Glass. Uh, they just really appear to be the, uh, taking the worst things of Google Glass and exaggerating them a bit more. So, anyway, anyway, that is the top news from the day. Sony Smart Eyeglass developer version. You can now pre-order it. Android 5.1 has been leaked a bit when it's coming with Android 1 to the Philippines, maybe somewhere else as well. Push Bullet has added support for popular messaging services. One definitely check out. Pebble Watch has updated to version uh, 2.3, bringing Android Wear notification support. And also Neptune Duo, a crazy, crazy device that maybe just might work, or maybe I'm crazy. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please check out our blog. Go to droidtoday.com, leave us a comment, leave your feedback, tell us what you think about these crazy stories that are coming out today. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at droid underscore today. Send us a message there. Go to iTunes, leave us a review if you like it. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow with another exciting episode of Android. Oh, no, of Droid Day, full of Android news, tips, and tricks. This episode of Droid Today is brought to you by TechAris.com. Tech news you can trust. And also, MoreGeek.com, where you can just geek out. Thank you for listening to Droid Today, your daily dose of Android news. Show notes can be found at droidtoday.com. Follow us on Twitter at droid underscore today. Check in tomorrow for more Android news, tips and tricks.